Is that how you prepped at the last minute? Was with fish and chips and a pint. <laughs> I love that. And my medication. So it's a wavy start. People do, People do fun jobs. Brought to you by Mr. Winter. Hey, I'm Mr. Winter and welcome to People Do Fun Jobs. This is the podcast which is all about finding inspiring people, doing fun things and we hear how they do what they do. So this is episode number seven and I sit down for my first ever podcast I've recorded over Zoom with Kiko Matthews, who is a British adventurer and she is currently on the other side of the world to me right now. So recorded this morning my time and evening her time. Now to me and you, Kiko Matthews is an extraordinary person doing extraordinary things. But as Kiko says, she's an ordinary person doing things she believes we're all capable of. So she's got a really interesting story and quite an interesting kind of twist to her story. So back in 2009, Kiko was diagnosed with a very serious and life-threatening illness and she had to undergo surgery for that. Now, if you skip to 2018, two years ago, Kiko embarked on the biggest adventure of her life. So she attempted well, she was training to attempt to row across the Atlantic and break a record. Now, here's the real twist to the plot. Kiko, in 2018, during her training, was re-diagnosed with the same condition. Now, she had to undergo serious surgery again and remove a tumour. And amazingly, within a month after that surgery, Kiko was back at training. She got on the sea and she broke a world record. She became the fastest woman in the world to row across the Atlantic and she did it all on her own. So we've just had a really interesting conversation about these big challenges, what it takes to, to complete these challenges. And also a real lesson I took away from it was how key simplicity has been for Kiko and how simplicity is really important in not only these big challenges but in everyday life as well hey kiko thank you for joining me on the podcast how are you yeah i'm good thanks a little, ti- a little tired but i'm ready to go yeah so let's kick off with that so the the time difference is slightly different to where i am in england Tell us where you are. I am in down under in New Zealand. Yeah. Very nice actually. So you're 11 hours ahead of me. So it's about quarter to nine in England at the moment in the morning. Well, yeah, it's a bit embarrassing. It's quarter to eight. <laughs> it's quarter to eight. I'm like, just like, when it gets dark, I'm like, what's the point in being up? I don't like watching telly. And I've had a busy day. And I, I don't know, I get up about six. So it's like, it's bedtime, isn't it? So it's ready for, you're getting ready for bed. But I have to point out that you're probably in the best country going in the world right now to be stuck in a pandemic how's it been in in new zealand yeah it's been all right it's amazing how many people are whinging about it i mean i don't think they realize (laughs) quite what they've uh i mean we're we're back to we're virtually back to normal you had to sign into places and stuff like that but i'm not in auckland so i kind of avoid the it all seems to be happening in auckland all the time so uh, it's pretty good to be honest i think i'd Mm, I think the next one would be Sweden because the only problem with New Zealand is once you're gone, for me, once I'm gone, I can't come back in. So the borders are closed, whereas Sweden, I think, has done very well. 
and their borders are open. So, yeah. So you feel a little bit stuck then in a, in a way, do you? Yeah, because unless you've got a visa and I, I came over to see my, to hang out with my partner and see whether I liked New Zealand, stayed an extra month because uh, it was winter in the UK. And then my work started getting um, cancelled. So I thought I would just stay here for a lockdown thinking, I'll be like, oh, it's just like flu which I still think it's just like flu. But anyway, no one else did. <laughs> and, um, and the world went into lockdown. Yeah, I mean, stay stay there as long as possible, I say, because people are going to be incredibly envious that you're there. you got the best prime minister in the world. You're very, very lucky. Yeah, everyone complains about her over here, so it's very, like, no controversial. Way. And who's running our country? Um, yeah, you're, you're much better off, let me say that. Um, the so, worst. <laughs> yeah. Obviously you survived, and we'll get into this, but you've survived some of the hardest challenges that life could possibly throw at you. But how has 2020 actually treated you? Have you found it that, that difficult? Have you found its challenges? We had lockdown for a month, and I've been, my partner, I've, I've been... So my partner's mum, so two four-year-olds living with mum-in-law. It's been great. Smile through, Kiko. But but in in all in all seriousness, it's a nice, it's a big enough house. Like New Zealand, every house, pretty much every house has got land. If you're not in the city, so we got like we dug a vegetable garden and we started digging some veggies, and then they got like a. They call them batches, a batch, but it's like a little cabin at the bottom of the garden, which is on the beach. And so we would take his, we had his three kids for the whole of uh, lockdown. So we did some schoolwork. The teachers had quite a few days off, I think. These these teachers had a few teacher days. <laughs> um, we'd, get out, and we'd get out to the cabin, the batch, and we'd hang out down there. And we got a farm. So we did, like, get the little four by four um, quad out. And we'd be like, go down around the farm and there's chickens and wow. like life was just was pretty pretty, pretty sweet no, no money coming in but it didn't we didn't really it's very like basic when you you kind of just go down to the bare essentials at those yeah and if you're self-sustaining and growing your own veg who needs money as long as you can eat right yeah our seeds weren't that quick sadly but <laughs> <laughs> we did three months later three months later yeah I've been enjoying a jungle of kale. Like literally we over, <laughs> I couldn't throw out the seedlings. We had so many seedlings. So I thought you can't throw that out. Well, and then we've been eating kale like so much. I've eaten so much kale, but um, yeah, so it was good. The kids enjoyed it. Yeah, that's really good. So now we have to start your story somewhere. So in 2009, you were diagnosed with a really serious and rare disease. And mm -hmm. I want to talk about that as long as you're comfortable talking about that, of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, it is what it was. It is what it, what it was. But can you take us to before that, before 2009? Like, what did your life look like at that point? Uh, well, it's pretty standard, I think. I was teaching science at a secondary school so I was in my second year of teaching I didn't really like it at all in Dorset and did you specialize in a subject yes yeah, so I'm bio biology yes I was at state school so it's, you don't really lots of state schools you don't specialize in so I didn't really specialize I did science, for a yeah. yeah so for a levels I specialized yeah I just thought it would be different but it wasn't really anyway in between that that change of schools in the summer holidays discovered that I was not very well and uh, yeah I had a pituitary tumour and a 
illness called Cushing's disease. So, but uh, I had to phone up the school and say, I'm really sorry. I was meant to be starting in September, but fortunately it happened in the holidays. So I didn't miss any school from the one before. I was like, I won't be able to start in September. Well, I might be able to. I thought I would be able to because this illness had disappeared from, seemingly appeared from nowhere. When the doctors, when I'd kind of been checked and they're like, nah, you won't be going back to, to work till January. What, what, what is Cushing's disease then for those who don't know? including me quite often people who, like doggy people and horsey people have heard of cushings because it's those two animals and humans get it which is totally random so it was caused by one of the causes of it people get it actually if they take too many when they're on medical steroids not like getting muscly fat big steroids if you need steroids for uh, there's sometimes Crohn's disease for example I think you take steroids I know that one and um, you get something called Cushing's syndrome mine was Cushing's disease which was caused by a pituitary tumor so I had a six millimeter little pea-sized tumor in my pituitary gland which is pumping out a hormone called cortisol uh, to levels that were so about at some point some points when they took my blood tests they were like 10 times what they should be and hormones as we were probably most people are aware are quite sensitive and so that was high as a kite <laughs> i had short-term memory loss i wasn't sleeping so i had insomnia i had psychosis i had mania i had diabetes i had osteoporosis i had muscle wasting to the point i couldn't wow. get up the stairs without using my hands i was hairy spotty and delightfully podgy with these skinny little <laughs> legs because all my muscles are gone so i got podgy tummy like three double chins big so i looked like i was storing like fat in my like a, like a chipmunk like little hamster cheeks yeah yeah and like <laughs> all my eyes kind of like lost their little sparkle and oh. yeah I just kind of like my face was a bit spotty and my chest was all spotty and but I had an I had like a reason why I got all like until you until I got diagnosed we didn't like link all the dots so every single one of these things I had like you know, I was so excited about my new job that I couldn't sleep and life was just amazing. And I ended up in hospital. I ended up in King's and I was admitted straight away, which is very unusual because normally you like, it takes years sometimes for doctors to diagnose it because it's so really? rare. And you would go to the doctor and say, oh, I'm putting on weight. And they'd probably say, yeah, you're eating too much or have you done some exercise? Or someone would go and say, oh, like diabetes is very much an end stage one. But like all the symptoms you have, you wouldn't really link. The only reason we got mine linked was because it was diabetes. And my mum used to be a nurse and she said, she liked to type into Google, why is, she, why is my daughter got, didn't put, why is my daughter got diabetes, which like causes it of diabetes. <laughs> and mum was like, you're not pregnant, are you? And I was like, I don't think so. I haven't got a family history, was fit and healthy and doing like exercise and stuff and like healthy eating, well, relatively healthy eating. Um, and then she's like, oh, you think you've got Cushing's? It's like, uh, they call it as a nurse's moon face or lemon on matchsticks because you get a really round tummy and then skinny little legs. So you look like a lemon and then these little skinny legs or a big moon face. And my dad's a doctor. And he's like, they were so ridiculous. It's so rare. Doctors also don't have it. And I'm like, mm, maybe she's right. But most people take forever to get diagnosed yeah. and because it was so quick and it was so bad it was kind of easier to diagnose luckily so anyway, I ended up in hospital straight away uh, did loads of tests so it all happened really quickly from finding out that you had it then yeah yeah so like found out so I'd broken up from school so found out in August was in hospital by end of August September 
had the operation, uh, was going in for an operation. So because it's not, I'm not having like, you have to be elective. Is it elective when they just wait for a slot? They'll say it's on Tuesday morning and someone more important will come. So they kick you out and then you have to wait till the next day. And then that person, you know, so you kind of like have to wait for your slot. It's not like, yeah, because you're not as important as maybe someone who's just had a brain hemorrhage or a car accident or something. And I was going in for my operation and they took my bloods and they whisked me out and said, actually, we can't do this because your potassium levels are so low. We need to pump you full of potassium. And I later found out that they were so low that if they dropped by a 0.1, whatever they measure it in, then I would not have woken up um, even with a jump start machine, you know, um, because potassium is your nerve mineral and you need it for those nerve messages and if it's too low you can't make those nerve messages so your heart doesn't go um so i was pretty close that was a medication issue actually they'd over medicated me when my levels were really high and then when my levels dropped the medication was too high so i went too low if that makes any sense to anyone who's medical anyway (laughs) a week later i went back in had the operation yeah a bit of recovery in hospital and i was out back to back to life back to reality, to reality. <laughs> yeah do you, would you say that you actually nearly died yeah i did nearly die mum my well, mum always tells me i nearly died i mean i didn't see any you know pearly gates because i was awake for the whole of this but had luckily the anesthetist was like well, i'm not going to put her to sleep because she won't wake up again oh my goodness yeah and if they hadn't pumped me full of potassium it was very like it would have been a close call I could have gone into like cardiac shock, cardiac arrest or whatever, because my heart would have just stopped beating and they would have tried to jumpstart me and been like, she's not, she's not coming up. And they probably wouldn't have known what was going on. But luckily that didn't happen. I just had a massive, great big syringe of potassium rammed in my neck because they couldn't find my veins anywhere else. And so they put it, they rummaged around in my neck to find my vein. It was really nice. Oh, wow. If we fast forward to 2018, you were embarking yeah. on on quite the adventure. So take us to that point then, Kiko. To the start line or to the pre-start line, would you like me to say? Maybe, maybe pre-start line because it's pretty important what happened there. Yeah. It is, yeah. So I got a paddleboard company. I'd left teaching, was just living my life and I had a sort of motto, living and giving. So that was kind of like the plan in life um and i was doing some cool stuff down in hackney and richmond paddling and with collecting plastic from the canals um and mum had this great idea that prince harry would be an awesome boyfriend um <laughs> probably would have been a better girlfriend maybe than the one anyway let's not go down that way joking <laughs> um so i thought yes how do i get his attention i'm not really one for like doing myself up and now <laughs> it didn't really it wasn't really a very good story to tell the uh, the old sponsors and stuff so i had to come up with a slightly better more meaningful uh reason for doing it which was actually quite true i should have thought about it straight away which was to do it uh, to raise money for kings because if it wasn't for them i wouldn't be alive and have this opportunity so i'd raise it and i didn't just want to raise it like straight out for the charity uh 
so they were doing a intensive care build like they wanted to be I think the biggest or best intensive care unit in the UK so that was cool I thought I'd do it all about overcoming adversity and empowering women women because it was about kind of girls or women doing things which was slightly the kind of thing that you'd expect a man to be doing and you know actually we can all we can all go out there and survive which I think we're kind of getting to realize now that women are equally as awesome if not more awesome oh yeah um yeah strong ladies and so I thought I'd do that and kind of inspire young girls to to do things and just be honest and yeah. enjoy life and and then midway through my training mum just sort of I know mum always says she has these hunches she said I should go to the doctor and have my bloods taken just before I go and so I did that in the May and turned out that my tumor had returned eight years later in the middle of my training for this like the biggest thing of my life or pretty like a pretty big thing for anybody's life and I was raising money for hospitals so it was a bit funny I went to the doctor I was like so I think it's come back well I pretty sure I know it's come back because I've done a blood test so and I'm raising money for you and I'm going to be rowing the Atlantic solo. In, in, and I was like, I've never really rowed before. I've done a bit of training and I've never been to sea. <laughs> and he kind of looked at me and was like, yep, typical symptoms of Cushing's <laughs> for oh, Kiko. God. Anyway, most people get depressed, but I get this kind of weird thing of amazingness. And anyway, so I obviously thought that I was fully capable of this, which I think anyone is actually capable of it. But I mean, on paper, I probably wasn't. <laughs> and... Um, and I said, I'm raising money for hospitals. So if we could have it done like pretty quick, because I'm leaving in January, end of Jan. It was now end of May, June, July-ish by the time we kind of got all this chatting. So they've said, okay, cool, we'll do it in August. And so I went back in. I actually was so fit and healthy, relatively speaking, that I just cycled to my operation and then was only in there for three days. It was all went totally to plan and back training it was pretty close to the <laughs> to the start date for most people probably but I like was hell-bent on it like I'm going like no matter the whole purpose of this was to show people about overcoming adversity one of them was the thing was about that so like why not this is like the best story you could possibly have to to do that it all went to plan there was moments of like doubt where I was like well I've got enough money to do it and Da, 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 da. maybe my training maybe I've been a bit lazy and I should have done a bit more training but actually someone said to me just don't worry about it just grow some balls and get on with it so which is very good for women empowerment you know there's he was Irish so it was fine let me yeah, yeah 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 and I was like actually that's all I needed to hear so I set off from Gran Canaria having you know, sort of six months after my little operation and said goodbye to a few people my mum and dad and sister and a little goddaughter <laughs> and I rode out I waved goodbye from Grand Canary and it was all very beautiful it was slightly surreal because I've been training for like 18 months and I didn't really know what I was doing like I kind of did but you can't you can't prepare for something like that because you can't go out into the middle of the ocean with an, an ocean rowing boat until you're in the middle of it so you can only train around the coast of the UK which is very different so I said see you later <laughs> and then about an hour and a half later I had to go back in to port I was like shit I've left my medication in the fridge is this a sign like, oh. I was like 
I've left my medication in the fridge. And they were like, well, we're on the aeroplane. We're just about to get on the aeroplane. I'm like, oh. Um, uh, we tried to get a boat to come out and no one wanted to come out because it was so windy. No one wanted to come out and see me. No so way. I had to row back. No way. That's such a funny twist at the start I of know. this adventure. And the, the cleaning lady had put it, it was in a little Tupperware pot and the cleaning lady had taken it to the local, I think the pub owned the apartment. So she'd taken it to the pub and... So fortunately, I had to go and have a pint and some fish and chips and just wait until I was ready to go again a few hours later. And uh, yeah, off I, off I pottered. Is that, is that how you prepped at the last minute was with fish and chips and beer? And a pint. <laughs> I love that. And my medication. And I left. So it was a wavy start. I left the harbour like on my own. I was like, it's the most random thing. I'm about to you know, embark on a however many days at sea on my own adventure. I'm like, there was no one there, no one there to say goodbye to me. I was like, actually, it was kind of how I'd wanted to go in the first place. I was like, I don't really want this big, it wasn't a big fanfare, but I was like, actually, I'd just rather just get on with it and just leave Keep without anybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I actually got my, I got my, my way in the end, slightly unintentionally. You're listening to Mr. Winter. So you ended up rowing across the Atlantic in just short 50 days. You broke... 49, 7 hours and 15 minutes, yeah. Yes. And you broke a world record by doing that. I did. Um, the previous lay... There's a... The female re- world record, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a long way off the man record, but... Shh. But still, you're, you know, you made history there massively. And, I did make a little um, bit of history. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think for us ordinary folk, or maybe this is your angle that, that you I'm are ordinary. ordinary. I mean, but to the rest bit of us. weird, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kuki Kiko, there's got to be something yeah, yeah, a bit, yeah, exactly. bit I blame bit it on strange. my dad for naming me Kiko, actually. <laughs> it's all dad's fault. It's the stuff of nightmares for most people of being stuck on a little boat in the middle of the ocean on your own. I mean, how do you feel comfortable with that idea of doing that? Or do you not really think about it until you're out there doing it? I don't it? really think about most things in life, to be honest. <laughs> I kind of do them and I'm like, oh, now let's mop up the, now let's mop up the pieces of <laughs> rubbish or oh, I'm like oh that was a good idea wasn't it I'm a bit of a wow. my mum would say I was a bit of a risk taker and I've always been a little bit I get bored very easily so I love <laughs> like change and I love a bit of a challenge and I also think like you can't you can't be your best and you can't grow unless you're like sent to some painful places along the way whether that's you know setting up a bit setting up a business like we're just doing it at the moment and we're constantly getting little like knockbacks you're just like oh this is so painful but it's just part and part and part of life it's like it's you just apply the same concept to like when i first went out in the rowing boat i was shitting myself about excuse the language about what i was going to hit and how to anchor the first night i stepped out in the boat like the boat kept moving because the tides and I kept waking up and hearing noises. Like, it was horrible. Yeah, I was going to ask about the the sleeping side of it. How do you have to take sort of shifts in that? Do you only sleep for sort of three or four hours at a time? Or how does that work? Yeah, so most rowers do like two hours at a time because they do it with other people. So it's like a two-hour shift. You can't really row for much more than two hours unless you like have to. 
or unless you really want to, but not sustainably, not for like a long period of time. So two hours on, two hours off. But I started to realize I didn't really like that shift. So I would do shorter, shorter breaks in the daytime. And then I would save up my two hour sleep and make it one hour rest or 40 minutes rest. And I'd put that to nighttime and I'd have a, like a longer sleep at night to get my body like proper rest. And also it was horrible rowing at nighttime when there were big waves and noises outside. (laughs) You'd prefer to sleep through when the waves are kind of more dramatic and stuff. You just can't, yeah, you just can't see it. You know, you go in the cupboard for your break and you'd be like, oh, just have a little snooze. Then you'd you'd wake up and this before I decided I'd do a long one. And I would open the door and be like, you could just hear the wind howling and you just couldn't see anything because you would have been in your cabin with your light. So you'd be night blinded from your little cabin. You'd be all warm and cosy. You'd open it. You'd be like, there's no way I'm going out there because you can't <laughs> see anything. So I'd be like, shut the door, go back to sleep. And then I, re- and then I thought, oh my God, I'm cheating. So I realized that, um, so basically I just cut my shift short, my sleeping shift short in the daytime when I could see. And then towards the end, I realized that if I stayed outside between the light shift and the night shift, I had a few hot chocolates or I found something to do to entertain myself. Then I didn't get the night blindness. And so I was accustomed to the dark for then my next shift. So then I would make it through to like 12 o'clock or one o'clock or something in the dark, which I wouldn't have done if I'd gone back into the cabin and like fallen asleep. You were attached to the boat the whole time, right? Yes. Very important. Very much so. Like you attach yourself inside the cabin and then you like come out you come out and when you're rowing you're also attached to the boat yeah yeah yeah. big big definite because but, you are, you're there's no way you're catching that boat if you come out of it yeah i mean then you're gone <laughs> you're just detached are you this sounds like a a silly question but you rode the atlantic solo that's the headline but are you literally on your own the whole time do you I, you don't have a sort of like support boat following at any stage no there was i, I had someone on the end of the satellite phone Saw a few cruise, not cruise ships, a few like container ships along the way. And I saw a little sailing boat at one point. I actually, I've been at sea so long that I, I really thought it was my my future husband to be in the sailing boat that was going <laughs> to come and see me. It never happened. Your knight in shining boat. And in some, some, some places I was told that the people were closer to me in, on the space station up there than they were on a boat over there or over there so yeah I was pretty I was definitely on my own <laughs> so you were at a point where people were closer to you if they were in space than on actually on land yep yeah that's terrifying so very cool it's very cool oh well I mean that's why you're the one who did it right Mr. Winter I threw this out to Instagram and I to say that I was doing the podcast with you and if anyone had any questions and I, I did pick one out from uh, Kate and she asked, what was your mental mind space like during the row and how did you keep yourself going? Yeah, very good question. Um, it varied, very much varied. I don't know what was, what, what overrode what, but like the weather, sore bottom, like achy shoulders like would make you a bit grumpy or not having enough sleep would make you a bit grumpy or an amazing sunset with amazing wind and some dolphins would make you like super happy or an email that would come through would be, you know, just lift you or 
and it uh, there was no real there's nothing more than that because there isn't much more in your life other than that it's like your whole life everything that's happening in your life is in your boat or around you so it's either the elements or your food or your physical well-being but do you enter a, a place of sort of meditative you know a meditative state of mind that took about five weeks to get there to sort of go go peacefully within yeah just go with it just go with the flow and the time went and can't really remember how many shifts i've done today and oh what's going on like just look around and, oh that's a nice wave oh there's a nice bird and oh it's time for sleep and oh back on the back on the back on the oars and you know that kind of that sort of scenario but there was definitely a sort of a mid mid-ocean battle where you still got you've been rowing for two weeks or three weeks and you still have no idea how much longer you've got left because the only thing you know that you're sure of is the distance you don't know what the weather's going to do or anything like that so you've got no idea whether you're in the boat for another two weeks or another 10 weeks so you kind of just have to let it be and I had quite a good community of supporters and I had a good purpose so like raising the money and all that sort of stuff so when I was feeling a little bit like I had a whole lot of letters that people and cards that people had like sent me. So I would open one of those or think about why I was doing it. Yeah. And normally have a sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I had some sweeties, I might eat my sweeties. So the sort of kind of simple, simple pleasures were the, were the things that kept you going really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there wasn't anything else. <laughs> there wasn't anything else. Certainly for me. And, but I think generally for people this year throughout the pandemic and lack of work and and just simplifying everything i think people have found that it is the simple things day to day that keep you going and as you've i think people realize that's that's kind of all you need to an extent i mean it's like going on a holiday isn't it you're in that state of mind yeah. where you're just eating and and living and in that relaxed state obviously rowing is not maybe relaxing but oh it had its moments yeah right I think strip back the mind survives so well when when things are when things are simpler and and less busy while you're achieving these like great great big miles and this you 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 are doing this huge challenge it is simple in a way isn't it you're eating sleeping yeah, very or simple. rowing that's it you've got nothing to worry about you've got no worries in the world i mean when it's a bit when the weather's a bit hectic it might be a bit more stressful but there's nothing you can do about it you're like what is worrying going to do to help your situation it's basically the 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 motto for life what yeah. is worrying going to do it's not going to change if you can't if you can't do anything about it don't change it if you can then just get on and change it yeah again worrying's not going to alter that i will say this in my talks like we buy all these things to make our lives easier and actually all we're doing is complicating it and making it so much more stressful and actually we could just get rid of everything and live on a little boat with just the food you need and the water you need and <laughs> the clothes you like my washing you know all you have to do is clean one pair of pants two pairs of pants and that's it <laughs> you know clean one dry one clean one dry one and that's your washing for 49 days as opposed to worrying about like oh what what material is it? Is it going to shrink or does it need to go in the washing machine or the dryer or do I need to hand wash it? Or is it going to run or all those stresses you get just with a washing machine, you know, and if, yeah. you amplify that with ev if you amplify that with every single thing in your life, you're constantly like, Oh, I can't do that. Or should I be doing that? Or it's like, you don't have to do that. You just go, Oh, it's time to get up, go and do my rowing. And, uh, 
Oh, look, there's a nice little view. Oh, that's a nice cloud. Oh, look at those waves. They're nice. Oh, my, <laughs> bum, doesn't, my, my bum doesn't hurt on this ship. <laughs> oh, let, let me put my sun, must put my suntan lotion on. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. Am I looking all right? Yeah, looking fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just so, in case, you know. <laughs> Just in case you pass the seagull on the way. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 exactly. So did you take any of that? with you then after did you did it change you in any way or changed how you lived your life i already had a little bit of that before but it definitely made it very obvious and yeah i mean i still have a phone and i my boyfriend's always saying how like grassroots and simple i am like i'm quite happy just to have you know the basics it's just so much easier just have you know a small wardrobe and not overcomplicate life basically and also still make sure you appreciate the things that you do have. Yes. And not, not like get too concerned in the things that you don't have or that aren't going right. Yeah. Because there's always things that aren't going right, but there's also a lot of things that are, go, that are going right. Some big life lessons learned there, clearly. Before we wrap up on, the, on your row, I just wanted to raise the point that you hadn't really rowed before. You weren't a rower. No, but most ocean rowers aren't rowers, to be fair. Oh, really? I don't, I don't want to, like... They've not been competing with o Oxford and Cambridge for many years then? No, it's such a different sport. It's like, uh, for an Oxford row, I don't know if people, some people might have seen um, James Cracknell and Ben Fogel did it. James Cracknell spent his whole time crying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ocean rowing is a bit more like an adventure. So, there's yeah, Wild. you've got to row, but it's like you've got to deal with everything else. You've got to deal with being in a real tight team or on your own or in a little space and not having all the luxuries of life and, you know, just having to let go if the weather's going in the wrong direction, the weather's going in the wrong direction. If it's super hectic, you've got to keep your wits about you. And, you know, if the wind's not going anywhere, you've got to motivate yourself to move that bloody heavy boat, like even a mile in an hour or whatever it might be. So there's so many different things and aspects to it that it's not really... I'd say it's almost very opposite to a rower mentality because rowers are very controlled, Calculated, yeah. driven, you know, if they, if they eat this and they row this amount and the weather's like this and they move their all like that, then they can do their, their 2000 meter erg in a certain amount of time or, you know what I mean? Then they can yeah. win the race, but this is like, you could be the best rower in the world and you've got crap weather. You're not going to, you might not even make it, you know, or something might break on the boat. You've got to be able to know how to fix it, not get worried about it, or that might be the end of the trip. So it's uh, not a big deal that I didn't, it's, you need more like that, just that go attitude. You also had experience with water, though. <laughs> we had a tumour. <laughs> I also had a tumour. Yeah. Was a big help. Fucking hell, you had a wild weather, wild seas and a tumour to contend with. Yeah, mad. Yeah. The water's like a language you, I feel like you have to understand a bit. I think you have to or have some kind of natural sort of want to be in or around. Do, do, you, do you think that's, that's true? Do you think your experience, like you had a paddleboarding business and, and kind of a history with with water anyway do you think yeah. you kind of needed that a bit to to understand it i don't looking at the other people that do it i don't think so i mean rivers and canals are a little bit different to the <laughs> the atlantic uh i had done some sailing course like many but i get seasick so i don't <laughs> think it was really 
<laughs> I went out the other day on the boat and I was like, the, the, the captain told me I had to take over the wheel because I looked like I was about to vomit. <laughs> so embarrassed. So embarrassed. I'm the only one on the boat. There's about 25 people on the boat and they're all fine except for me. And, I'm like, and the only one on that boat who had the world record for this, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's funny, actually, because with the ocean, the ocean does teach you, just, teach you that you just got to let go because he's so in control of you and you have nothing. So you're just going to be... Be at one with it and just, mm. you can't fight it. I will have the wave. <laughs> and so you helped build an intensive care unit out of that whole amazing adventure. So on a selfish level, you tick some boxes, but you were doing something amazing in the meantime. So, uh, no one really knows the exact amount because it was checks were being handed in and just giving up. It's around a hundred grand the intensive care unit which is at king's college hospital which i imagine has been quite well used recently and they're one of the best and most underfunded hospitals for their amazingness and the amount of money they get it's shocking so the charity helps with like uh, they did the helipad up there so the charity paid for the helipad and they'll do sort of things that basically the nhs would never afford or be bothered to pay for so the intensive care unit they well intensive care units are always like downstairs in the dingy dingy area because everyone's always like oh who cares about the people on intensive care units like most of them aren't awake but they had a complete change of mind and they actually done wall to ceiling uh, floor to ceiling like glass and there's like plants and you can be wheeled outside and all this like really nice stuff so that even people who are visiting their you know potentially dying person or if you are awake and in intensive care, like I was awake when I was in intensive care, you don't have that, like, you're just, you're just constantly around beeping and, like, people dying. Oh, and yeah. it's, it just makes it a little bit nicer so that you have, like, fresh light. And it massively changes people's psychiatric. So that people would, would be, like, mentally more alert and on it and therefore su- more likely to survive. I probably, like, sounds, pay that's... for a couple of pillow covers or something with my undergrad I don't think so I think you I think you had a huge huge part in that regeneration of it but it sounds important in people's recovery to surround them in in a more of a positive space definitely yeah. and and could I think could aid someone's you know recovery in their illness yeah definitely. no I, yeah I think it, it and definitely the time that's spent in intensive care like you'd say the hospital would save that money from not having them intensive care by being able to move them elsewhere because they were in an environment which made them get better quicker. My photos all around the hospital, which is really embarrassing. I was messaging and go, oh, I, I look at your photo every day and I'm so inspired. Oh, I love it. That's so nice. Yeah. I'm driven by a reason to do something. My partner's always going, do you want to go for a bike ride? I'm like, can we go for a coffee shop? So I'll cycle 50 miles to the coffee shop. It's got a purpose to it. So if I was doing it because I was raising money for Kings or... I was, I don't know, you know, helping someone out to do something, then mm. yes, I do it. But if there's no reason, I'd just much rather just sit at home and stay cosy in my bed. <laughs> That's really interesting, though, to have something in sight, not to make this about me. This is all about you, Kiko. But um, this month, I'm running 108 miles for charity for the Red Cross I'm doing. It's for a refugee-related thing. And it's not something that I would ever thought I'd be capable of. And I'm getting really close to completing that, which is which is mad. But Cool. 
I can completely understand that thing of like having a reason to do it. Like, you know, there's been a few times where I've wanted to stop and I've had to just remind myself, almost vocalize a mantra where I've sort of had to say, remind myself why I'm doing it and what's what yeah. the point in it is. And because if it was just me going for a run on a Saturday morning, you know, I'd probably just walk it back at that point. But there's a lot you know. more things you could be doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. About- you know, fuck this. But yeah, people will say, oh, you should do it for your, you should, you should just do, you should just do things for yourself. And I'm like, well, I don't really care that much about doing stuff for myself. Like I get so much more out of doing things for other people. And like, yeah, you say like doing a, a run or whatever for raising money for someone else, that makes me tick and that makes me happy as well. Whereas if I was just doing it for myself, I'd just be like, mm, what's the point? Right. Yeah. What's the point? <laughs> like, I do feel lucky. Like I did say my, my mantra after surviving was living and giving. So you have to live your life and give back. Everybody should be giving back because everybody's living, right? But it's the cycle, isn't it? That's how it works. Yeah, you're all given food. You're all given food and air and water and allowed to live and breathe and greatness. Like, why aren't we all giving back to whoever? is allowing that to happen you're touching you is that get spiritual about it. i was gonna say is that a religious belief there or a spiritual one it's a it's a, a, a belief in nature yeah mother nature in the planet every single thing we do on a daily basis has been given to us by the sun and the air and the rain and we take it completely for granted it was like free wasn't it what uh, before it got turned in, before that plant got turned into money, it was all given to us for free. And it's like, thanks. Cheers for that. Now I want to give you back. We're all breathing the same air. Yeah. You're a proud environmentalist, clearly. It's just like another string to your bow, really. But you've done a whole load of beach cleanups. And it, I remember you did that round Great Britain. And I think I wanted to join you for a leg of it but I wasn't able to just tell us a little bit about that stuff that you've done. Yeah. So with the same kind of idea of purpose and exercise and loving the planet and the environment and community, I'm a big fan of community. I actually thought I'd cycle around the world and go for the world record, but then I thought, no, nah, <laughs> that's a bit boring. Done that. I don't want to be known as world record. Known as, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the woman who does these random like extreme sports so I was like no I actually want to do something which I enjoy and which is giving back and useful and so I thought well every day I need to cycle but what how what's going to get me up in the morning why don't I go and do a beach clean and get people in the local area to come and help me with a beach clean and hopefully I can educate some people hopefully can obviously clean the beach and then I've got to I've got to leave in the morning so I've got to meet people in the evening come wind rain shine sore throat whatever it is punctures and we did so it was three months wow nearly seven thousand kilometers 78 beach cleans three and a half tons of waste two thousand volunteers and seven and a half times the height of everest <laughs> well done that's so cool that is so that cool and so inspiring it's really 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 inspiring it was a cool trip, actually. There was a lot of cider to be drunk, I have to say. You, yeah, I think something that really strikes me about you is you're really, I think you're really good at self-promoting with the causes that you're doing. And I think you're really good at raising money. And I think you're really good at getting people interested in really worthwhile things. Do you agree? Quite possible. That's not intentional, but maybe. 
<laughs> I think you've managed it kind of on your own, really, with these things. You've roped everyone in to come with you on your journey. I think that's really impressive. Yeah, I suppose. I haven't always like put, it's not me in the forefront of what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Because there's something else involved and it's like, you know, people like to get involved in it. It's not just about me getting the world record, which is cool in itself, but there's all the other, the different things. Yeah, it's cool. I surround myself with like-minded people who kind of want to support, want to be part of the team and, and like, yeah. it works I guess. Now I've got a question that I've introduced to the podcast just to change the angle a little bit on the on the podcast. People Do Fun Jobs is the name and I was very focused on what it is that person's doing, how they've got there and everything but I've kind of evolved a little bit with it and want to look at the person detached from the label of the job that they have and I mean with you it's kind of hard because you've got so many strings to your bow. You've just do some crazy yeah. stuff left right and center but i want to know who kiko matthews is really behind behind everything she's done and and i want to know how how your choices make you happy uh, that's a very good question because i actually <laughs> i've always tried to escape being put in a box so i actually don't know <laughs> the answer to that i'm question. not that surprised as as- by that as soon as someone goes oh you're a teacher I'm like no I'm not that's the end of teaching or oh you're like this I'm like oh really let me surprise you (laughs) because I don't think anyone should I don't think anyone should be put in the box because it kind of it's like being called like she's a woman or he's a man or he's this or she's that and it's like it should be irrelevant like those types of labels I don't know if you ask people who Kiko was I don't know what they say probably a bit crazy but I don't, I don't think of myself as being... I could be very level-headed if I need to be level-headed. I just don't take life too seriously, I think. Yeah. It's a little bit selfish, but I do think if you're kind to people, then people are kind back to you. I'd rather go out and volunteer for a day than make a million bucks because I'd get more out of volunteering for a day and knowing that I'd done something for someone else because I know that somewhere down the line when I'm in trouble or in need, someone else will come and help me. And that's like... I feel better seeing a smile on someone's face than having... 50 quid put in my pocket put it that way that kind of circles back to your living and giving was that the mantra yeah yeah yeah. living and giving living and giving and what advice would you give someone who's inspired by what you do just do it like i always say just do it everyone says oh but you know i don't know how to and everyone's always got an excuse for not doing something yeah and you know they haven't got enough money i didn't have any money when i started out i just (laughs) i don't know i was doing all sorts of things to make ends meet and I was living at someone's house to nanny but there's always a there's always a way if you really want something so if there's too many excuses you basically it's not the right thing for you to find something and to challenge yourself because without the challenges how do you know how good you are at something yeah it's not until you've tried to, to do something difficult that you know you can succeed in something difficult if you just keep on plodding along in a job you're in or you know you're comfortable you're not really being your best, are you? And humans are bloody amazing. Like they've got so many awesome qualities and abilities. It like seems like a waste to not have a go at seeing how good you are at something. Kiko, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. You've been on my list actually for ages because I met you a while ago. I've given you about two days notice. So thank you so much for being so, right. so flexible. And your story is obviously so extraordinary and inspiring. And it's got so many twists to the tales as well. You know, you've got you've achieved things where, where you just you on paper, you shouldn't be, have achieved them. And I think that's 
that's just this goes to show goes to show yeah what everyone can do 100 even though they might not look like it on paper everyone has the ability just before we go you get there's a bit of exciting news on on what your near future is looking like right there's a little bit so <laughs> as with what seems to be quite a lot of people the the, the old lockdown was a bit boring and anyway i've ended up pregnant <laughs> Five and a half hey. it was actually planned it wasn't it wasn't a coronavirus mistake <laughs> but, um yeah so i'm having a little a little we've nicknamed okay. it ocean but we're not actually sure if it's a girl or a boy but it just has a name called ocean i love it it has to be something o- oceanic definitely maybe billy if maybe it's a boy. billy billy ocean billy ocean <laughs> <laughs> Big, the biggest adventure I know has got a baby on the way. Is your baby going to come along for all these crazy well, rides? Quite, I've already said to my partner, like when he's got some kids already, when one of them is old enough and Ocean is old enough, maybe we'll go and do a four across the Atlantic. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Um, but, but yeah, I'm sure there'll be some adventures to come. Kiko, thank you so much. Good luck. And I, I hope you get to Thanks. stay in New Zealand and bring your baby up there don't come back to England will you I'm trying let's see what Jacinda says so there was our conversation with Kiko Matthews I found that really inspiring she's really made these kind of big difficult challenges seem really tangible and straightforward and simple definitely makes you want to go and try something new and and different to to what you're used to right so if you want to stay up to date with what kiko's doing and maybe see some baby progress see some new adventures that she's going on you can find her on instagram twitter facebook it's all at kiko matthews and i'd love to hear if it's inspired you in any way you can reach me at mr winter official on instagram facebook and also my website is mr winter official com thank you so much to kiko shout out to sam latham for making that connection originally if you could give me a little five star rating and a review wherever you're listening to this podcast that would be absolutely wonderful this has been a mr winter production mr Mr. Winter. winter let's go, let's go.